Hello, beautiful. Welcome to It's Time to Be You, the podcast that helps people pleasers take control and finally put themselves first. I'm your host, Ariel Von Bretter, and I'm a recovering people pleaser here to help you on your journey. And as people pleasers, we tend to put everyone else's needs first. We want to be the one that takes care of everyone, makes sure that other people's needs are met, and we often want to fix everything. And by doing that, it takes a serious toll on our well-being. We have got to learn to take care of ourselves first and understand that we should not feel guilty about doing that. When we take care of ourselves, it actually allows us to be able to do more for others. You cannot pour from an empty cup. And to help us take care of ourselves, we are joined by Michelle Goodlow. Michelle is a professional helper and knows firsthand what it feels like when you put yourself on the back burner. After burning out, she realized the importance of self-care and is now on a mission to help busy, caring, exhausted people take care of themselves in a way that doesn't have to be complicated or time-consuming. Michelle helps us to drop our superwoman capes, release perfection and unrealistic expectations, creating a safe space to share our struggles, and how to become your favorite version of yourself. In this episode, you will learn and be reminded that you don't have to be everything to everyone in order to be worthy. You are worthy as you are, and it is time to take care of yourself. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so excited about our conversation about boundaries and self-care and you know, really living more authentically. But before we get into all those things, tell us more about you and who you are. Yeah, I'm super excited for our conversation today, too. Thank you again for having me. Again, my name is Michelle Goodlow. I am a brand new mom. I'm an eldest child. I am a very proud Black woman, and I'm also a licensed clinical social worker who recently wrote a book called I Own My Magic, Self-Talk for Black Women. I love to introduce myself that way because I'm so used to introducing myself as a professional first. Like listing all of my titles and all of the goodies that come behind my name. And I realized, wait, Michelle, you are way more than that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So my challenge lately has been introducing myself with other parts of my identity that have nothing to do with what I do for work. So thank you for allowing me to have that self-challenge there. Yes. Oh, I love it. That's like a whole other topic because I feel like so often, especially when we meet someone, it's always like, what do you do? And it immediately goes to professional like job. But I mean, so often it's like, that's not what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about like the thing that pays the bills. I want to talk about my life and what brings me joy and happiness. So yeah, I think more people should work on, you know, introducing themselves that way. And that's why I like to ask, you know, for my guests to just say who they are so we can hear it from them rather than be like, you know, saying who you are because it's you. (laughs) I'm excited, you know, about your book. Will you just tell us a little bit more about your book? I own my magic. What a powerful title. Like, where did all this come from? Oh, yeah. I like to say I've been writing this book for years. I've, I loved writing. It's just a release. And I wanted to write something really special for Black women in particular. Mm-hmm. I'm a recovering perfectionist. Ah, me so, too. <laughs> right? I love putting the recovering in front of it because... Man, it's a journey. We'll we'll definitely talk about it. So I've been writing bits and pieces of the book for a while. And when the opportunity presented itself for this book to be published, I was like, wait, I already have some good stuff that I 
written that I'd wanted Black women to know about taking care of themselves for a while. So it was really just adding a few special touches, affirmations, and stories. And there's the birth of I Own My Magic. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, why specifically Black women? Not only because I am one, but because I know a lot of Black women even in this day and age, who are really struggling to prioritize themselves. Yeah. There is a huge history of Black women being deemed as superwomen. Mm-hmm. This Black superwoman narrative that a lot of us kind of hold on our shoulders, whether it be voluntary or involuntary. Yeah, And I've learned through my own experiences how that particular role has gotten in the way of me really taking care of myself the way I need to. I describe it in the book through the chapter, Releasing Your Superwoman Cape, that when we think about superheroes, I mean, we're thinking of people who have incredible powers and things that are not human that make them so great and and sometimes invincible. Mm -hmm. And when we specifically think about Black women as superwomen, we're also not recognizing or they're not recognizing our humanity. Yeah. And there's this label that Black women are strong, strong Black women. And it's like, yeah, but we're also soft. Yeah. We're also imperfect and expressive. And we have a range of emotions that have more to do with our strength. My invitation to Black women in my magic is to just explore these narratives Because there's also a lot of Black women who take a lot of pride in being Black superwomen in their lives. And so this is not a shaming of the title, but an exploration of the title and an opportunity to own your magic the way you want to with all of the information that you need to make that informed decision. Yes. And I love that because I think so often it's just like, you know, yes, strong Black women and it's great, but it is like, I don't always want to be strong. Like, can I put the cape away for now? Can I just be human? I need a break. But I feel like it's so easy to just, you know, we're put in this role and people see us a certain way. And it's like, we can't let our guard down or we have to just, you know, maintain a certain character, especially on who we're, you know, around or whatever. So yeah, I love that you're giving the space for, I guess you can wear that cape, but you can also take it off too. And it, It is okay. And you will still be a strong Black woman without having to like carry so much on your shoulder. (laughs) That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. And so I'm kind of curious, like take us back to like, I guess your own journey, because you said you kind of have been writing this for a while. What has your own journey with like self-care and wearing your own cape? What does this look like for you? Yeah. I share in the introduction of the book, a really special experience I had with another woman of color in kind of the inspiration behind owning my magic. When I first started as a social worker, my first job was as a children's counselor at a domestic violence agency. Mm -hmm. There was so much that went into this role and I felt deeply connected and still do to this day to ending the social injustice and public health issue that is intimate partner violence and domestic violence. But in this role, this was my very first full-time job, like working a full eight-hour day. I had like part-time jobs, assistant jobs, internships, volunteerships. But this was my first full-time job working as a professional helper in a crisis-oriented setting. 
And within the first six months of this job, I was burnt out. Yeah. I mean, from beginning to end, physically and emotionally, I was drained. And there's so many reasons why I was drained. So just to name a few, I had a very significant lack of boundaries. My work life was my entire life. I went to bed thinking about work. I woke up thinking about work. I went to work early, stayed late, skipped lunch, you named it. I was doing all the things that would lead me to burning out, not to mention the high crisis needs that a lot of the folks that I was providing service to were taking all of my energy. I also had a disconnection with myself that I really stress in I own my magic in particular because I really minimized my human needs, again, like sleep and hunger. But I also had a disconnection with who I was because I have been an empath since as long as I can remember, but I have only recently discovered that like in the last few years of my adulthood. So being in spaces where folks have a lot of needs and me not having boundaries or self-awareness also led me to feel emotionally burnt out. And yes. there are, right, there are a lot of folks, a lot of folks who can really identify with that and are kind of like, well, why am I feeling so exhausted at the end of my day, you know, physically and emotionally? I'd like to say it's because a lot of us don't have that self-awareness of what our needs are, especially for Black women. We're, we're really struggling with our boundaries. Sure, we can see them, but we're not maintaining them. And then, of course, the macro level issues that are about that, too. I mean, we could spend the rest <laughs> of our conversation diving into that. But concisely, I will say there's a lot of isms at play for Black women to do and be at all. Yes. So I was impacted by all of those. And I share quite a few of those stories in I Own My Magic. All right. Yes. I mean, there's just like so much into that. <laughs> so I'm so excited to like unpack this with you. So first, I want to start with those boundaries. And, you know, you were like working like all the time. And that was like your focus. I'm curious of like, where did that come from? Was that pressure from the work you were doing, the need to help people? Like where and why? <laughs> yes. And yes. <laughs> I felt a huge amount of pressure and I had what I can say very fairly to my past self is I had unrealistic expectations for myself as a professional helper mm. because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm in this role. I can, I'm going to use this word, I can save my clients from their experiences. <laughs> I can do all the things. I can go above and beyond. I can make gigantic impact. And what I really needed as a brand new helping professional, and again, both of these identities were at play as a really caring Black woman, yeah. was help adjusting my expectations for what my job was and what my roles are. Because trust me, even though that was happening in terms of professional burnout, in my personal life, I was also having the same issues. Because I'm an eldest child, an eldest daughter, specifically. And again, a recovering perfectionist. So a lot of this stuff was at play in my professional roles too. And I, I want to just take a moment to be mindful that all of these different terms I'm throwing out and roles and all of this had to do with my own self-discovery journey, which really felt like a privilege to do in these last few years of my adult life. And I present that opportunity and I own my magic. 
for you to really get to know yourself. Because to develop and maintain boundaries, you have to know what your needs are. And I like to say I had to start from scratch. I didn't know what my needs were to even create boundaries that were going to be sufficient. Yeah. So that's a little bit about my story there. Yeah. And then so, I mean, you went through this, you know, period and you realized that you were burned out and like emotionally and physically drained. And I'm just like, first of all, just like kudos to you and anyone else who is working, like doing like social work and just working with people because. I mean, it's hard. I mean, you said like you wanted to save people like that's I'm just like, I want to help everybody. So I know like having that need, but then knowing like there's only so much you can do. And I mean, there's so much in there with like those expectations as well. And knowing, you know, your limits and the limits of what you're able to do. So but when you went through this, I guess, when was that point of like, ah, something's got to change? <laughs> and Like, how, how did you start to change? Absolutely. I was working with a child client of mine. I want to say this child was less than 10 years old. And we're in the middle of a session. I believe we were coloring. And and this child looked up at me out of the blue and was like, Miss Michelle, are you okay? And I remember I froze and was trying to figure out why this child was asking me that. Yeah. And what I remember from that experience is this child was looking at a person who hadn't slept properly in weeks. I had a perpetual cold, so I was sniffing and coughing. And I remember I didn't, I hadn't been to the doctor in forever. I hadn't received any medical care, not even over the counter, because I was ignoring my needs and I kept brushing them off saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I can still show up for work, right? I was exhausted and sick. And this child was worried about me and how I was showing up physically in that moment. And even as I recall that story, I remember feeling guilty, not self-compassionate, not even self-reflective. I felt guilty because I was like, oh my gosh, now I'm getting in the way of this child's healing. They're going through so much on and on. That was my very significant aha moment that something needs to change because I can't show up and do the things that I love to do if I'm exhausted and burnt out. Right. I just can't. I feel like that moment, yeah, just much must have been almost like a punch in the gut as well of just being like, here I am supposed to like be here for this kid. And he's asking me like, what is wrong? Like, That's it. That's it. Not showing up, you know, if you're, and I think that's why I'm so happy to talk about this conversation because it is just so important that we, take care of ourselves because, you know, we want so badly to take care of everybody else. But if we're not taking care of ourselves, like we're no good for anybody. Like it's doing everybody a disservice. So, and then, so once you had that moment, where did you start with your journey? That was the beginning of it. I really started talking about it with other people, especially people who could understand. So I remember talking about it with my supervisor, with my coworkers, and of course with my friends and family. Mm-hmm. to help shine some light on this. Like, hey, did you notice I'm showing up this way? What's going on? I started getting curious about why I was showing up so exhausted. And again, I had to get to know myself a little bit and give myself permission to just sleep. I mean, the self-care practice happens, you know, months and years later. I had to just focus on my basic needs and giving myself permission to meet those basic needs. I eventually sought out mental health care. I had my first therapist during that time as well. 
and went on the journey to find a therapist who really could meet my needs and see that I was more than just a strong Black woman, see, mm. see past that narrative to help me meet my needs as well. So definitely talking to others and seeking out support was a really big part of the beginning of my self-care journey. Yeah. And I'm curious about when you did start to talk to people and like seek out that support, what was that like? Because especially in the Black community, I think now we're definitely recognizing more about like mental health and taking care of yourself is important. But I mean, we don't talk about our mental health and our depression and stuff like that. It's like, that's like a, we don't talk about. And then especially, you know, with you talking to like your coworkers and stuff like that, people don't like to talk about that stuff in the workspace because it's like, well, if I'm having problems and like, I need more sleep, my boss just might be like, figure it out. Good luck. Like, I don't care. I mean, so what was that like for you? And how did, like, did you feel safe enough in those spaces to open up? That was literally the word that was on the top of my brain. I felt very privileged. I want to use that word to work in a space with such understanding people where I did feel comfortable and I did have the safe relationships with my coworkers and my supervisor to talk about that. So that is a huge part of my story. That's a privileged part of my story. And I couldn't agree with you more. A lot of folks don't feel safe enough. And because that was my first job, I had the foundation to do that reflective work. But even over the course of my social work career, I've had really toxic work environments where the best option for me was to quit, yeah. was to retire, was to leave those particular positions. Uh, and again, there's a whole lot that goes into those stories. So I don't want to minimize my own experience, right. but it's about really assessing safety when you can seek out support. And if you don't have that support at work, do you have support like that outside of work? Because my friends are really important in helping me do this work. And also by family members as well. And again, measuring safety and all of that is important. Yeah. And I'm I am curious, or I guess I want to know for the audience, like if someone is kind of feeling like they're in this position of like burnout and like something needs to change, like what might be a good way to like bring up these kind of conversations with people? Yeah. Again, assessing safety in those relationships. Like, do you feel comfortable talking about these personal parts of yourself? You know. Can you trust these folks? You know, are they able to confidently and confidentially hold space for you? Can they actively listen to you? I would definitely look at that. And then just start somewhere with the conversation. I like to say, just start with asking for observations. Because again, this is really vulnerable stuff we're talking about. Yeah. Depending on where you're coming from. But something I remember asking my friends was, you guys think I'm like showing up like as my real self? Like, do you think I'm kind of burnt out I really wanted to know and just yeah. kind of opening up that dialogue wherever you think is comfortable and talking to your friends about it and again they're your friends so right. <laughs> they know you they want the best for you I, that's why I can't use that term okay you, hopefully you'll receive that feedback that you need so that you can take the next steps yeah I love that and I just love that you you know saw it from your friends and stuff like that observation and that you use curiosity because that's definitely what you need when you're becoming more self-aware is, you know, to not only observe yourself, but also have some other people's input as well as is really helpful. And you kind of mentioned about, you know, before you just needed to start sleeping more as like kind of a first step before like getting really into self-care. And, you know, I kind of want to hear from you about like what self-care really is, because like I think some people 
like sleep is like, like that is real self-care sometimes. <laughs> so what does self-care like mean to you? Yeah, there's a couple ways that I look at self-care. And the first that I want to recognize is I don't like to be too attached to those terms. Mm-hmm. Self-care can mean wellness. It can mean health care. It can mean all kinds of wonderful things. So it's about the practice more than the term. Because the term has been marketed, it's been utilized in a lot of different spaces. So I like to say, don't worry about the term too much, guys. Yeah. My big kind of umbrella term for self-care is doing what you need to do to show up as your favorite version of yourself. Ooh, I like that a lot. That term just resonates with me because, again, self-care in the eyes of social media and the larger mainstream society There's kind of getting, there's like a narrow focus on what that looks like now. And a lot of times it's like a white person practicing yoga and eating salad. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't include a lot of us. So I wanted to expand it a lot more. So it's more inclusive of all types of people and what we need to show up as ourselves. But the more narrow focus to that, because that is a lot, right? Doing what you need to do to show up as your best self, your favorite version of yourself. I like to say a self-care practice is identifying and addressing your needs on a regular and routine basis. And that's a two-parter because you've got to learn what you need to show up as your favorite version of yourself. But then you've got to put some practices in place that help you maintain that version of yourself. And again, there's a lot that goes into that. My second book called The Self-Care Investment, I actually break down several different types of self-care from physical, emotional, intellectual, financial. I mean, there's so many different ways to look at self-care practices Mm -hmm. that if folks are like, I'm not really sure what my best self even looks like, I literally walk you through that as well. Because I love walking this through folks and helping folks with this journey. Yeah, that's awesome. And is your second book, is it kind of like a journal as well? Or is it just, okay, awesome. Listen, I don't know how to write something that doesn't include journaling prompts. I'm just like, yes. we're talking about this concept. Now let's break it down for you. So that's literally all of my, my writings have that. Yeah. But in the self-care investment, it's like an interactive workbook because I walk you through not only those concepts, but a lot of different like prompts and activities to create your self-care plan. And you also have a whole template at the end of every chapter to practice what you have learned. So I really wanted it to be like a whole experience for folks to create a well-rounded self-care practice. Yes. Oh, I love that so much because I mean, there's just so many books out there and it's like you can read them, but if you don't do the work and especially like I love journaling and I love just being able to write my thoughts out and, you know, process everything. And so I really love that. And so like, what are some of your favorite like self-care practices? Yes. For me to show up as my favorite version of myself, I'm just like you. I've got to journal mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And even if that's just like once a week, my because my whole situation has changed so much since becoming a mom, that <laughs> it's like, I got to make sure I highlight that particular practice. It helps me with my self-reflection. And because I spent such a long time ignoring my needs, a lot of my journaling practice is just asking myself how I'm doing. Literally, that's the prompts. Because I know a lot of folks who want to get into journaling and they're like, I don't really know what to write about. That's what I love to do. And another shameless plug, only because it's helpful. That's what my first published work is about. My first self-published work 
It's called Self Explore, Self Restore. It is literally just a journal filled with journaling prompts to help you get to know your needs. Every page is a different page that asks you a question about yourself so that you can do that reflective work without overthinking about what to write about. Great. Oh, I love it. So it's kind of like your first book is like really like let's find your needs and stuff. And then your second one is like really um, talking about like that magic and self-talk. But then the third one is like, all right, like let's discover more ways that you can really find that favorite version. And, and where can people find your books? Yes. All of my books are available online where books are sold. And so that includes Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, all of those different retailers. Awesome. I'm definitely going to put that all in the show notes that people can easily find your books and get them and start working on themselves. And so I want to talk like more about boundaries and especially with that like guilt aspect. And now I'm even more curious about like now being a mom, how that all ties in. Cause I'm sure some moms are listening and I know that that's really hard too, especially when it comes to like self-care and, you know, you want to take care of your kids, but you still got to focus on yourself too. So tell me more about your experience right now. Yeah. Right now, it, how I like to expand it for folks is yeah. when you're entering a new role, this is the best time to take a look at your self-care practice. When you're experiencing any type of life transition, a new role, new responsibility, a change in your life, there's a really good chance you need to reassess your needs and you need to look at different ways to address those needs. So that's like my big picture look at developing yeah. self-care practices that work because we are ever-changing people and it doesn't matter what roles you're jumping into. If they're changing, there's a good chance your needs are changing as well. Not all of them, just some of them. Right. So my needs, right? So my needs as a parent have changed significantly. I am so used to doing things on my own. Yeah. I love my sense of independence. I love being able, and honestly, full disclosure, I just love that feeling of control. Yeah. But and as a parent, my goodness, <laughs> I really had to learn. I mean, really, really, really had to learn how to ask for help and oh, accept yeah. help. Yeah. Definitely an issue of putting my pride to the side, not only for the betterment of my son, but for me too. And that is still an ongoing journey, but I'm going to pat myself on the back. I'm doing pretty good with it, at least yeah. today. <laughs> so asking for help was a really big need. Yeah. Also refocusing on my basic needs. So the needs that I have to have just to get through. If I can get sleep, I'm going to try my best to get some sleep. Making sure to have like nourishing foods ready to go. They don't have to be perfect foods. They don't have to be social media ready foods. They just need to fill me up, you know, and staying hydrated. So focusing on my basic needs is also a really big one. And also, this is a really tough one for my recovery perfectionists, <laughs> but really quieting down that self-critical voice. That's the toughest one, right? But oh my goodness, that self-critical voice has been so loud in my head. And my, my son turns five months old uh, this week. So the past five months. He's like the best guy ever. Uh, and I appreciate the grace that he gives me as I'm learning how to be his mom. But I've had to quiet down that voice. And I have to remind myself, Michelle, and you have to talk to yourself, okay? You have to use your name. <laughs> Michelle, you have never been a parent before. All of this is new to you. You're not supposed to be perfect at this. 
I used to think affirmations were super corny, like yeah. super corny, <laughs> until I started making my own. Then I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is actually how I develop that self-talk. It's yeah. by creating these statements that actually resonate with me, that are personalized for me. So just those few affirmations, I consider those affirmations that I just shared, are things that I use to reassure myself so that I'm not too tough on myself so that I don't get anxious. And so I can give myself that actual grace. So those practices are how my self-care has changed these last few months. Yeah. And I mean, I just love that you were, you know, kind of like vulnerable and sharing, like you need to, you know, you're still working on, you know, recovering perfectionists, <laughs> but also yeah. on yourself as you're learning to be a new mom and giving yourself that grace. And I mean, I'm not a mom, but just it still resonates with me about being new at something and that you're not going to be perfect. And then that's okay. Like when you were saying those affirmations, I just myself felt like a little like, ah, yes, you're right. You don't have to be perfect. (laughs) That's right. Oh, I'm so glad. And so, you know, with affirmations, because, you know, you said you used to think they were corny and stuff. Like when did you start using them and, and how can we make affirmations like actually work? Yeah. Just the last couple of years. It's still super new is when I actually started using affirmations that I created. And my favorite affirmation to date is I am too important to not take care of myself. Say it again. (laughs) I am too important to not take care of myself. Uh, I have it like sitting up in my office to look at on a regular basis to remind myself to take my schedule breaks to remind myself to only work within my business hours, to remind myself to stay accountable to my time and not overextend myself. Again, I love sharing all of these really specific bits and pieces with folks. And I do this throughout my work because it's so easy to do way more than you're supposed to. It's easy to overachieve when you care a lot. And that's me, like that's part of my story. So I've had to really reassess that and remind myself that you can only do what's within your limits because you're a human being. Yes, limits. Yeah. And, you know, it's just such a good reminder to know that this is a journey and that you still have to remind yourself to like maintain those boundaries and that you have to take care of yourself because, you know, I think, a lot of times when we're working on ourselves, we're just like, oh, I'm just going to do this for 30 days and I'll be fixed. But like, that's not how life works. Like, Unfortunately, I wish it was. (laughs) You just have to like keep working on yourself. And so tell us more about like, like, why is it so important, you know, to take care of ourselves? Like what, I mean, you mentioned about earlier being burnt out and stuff. What are some other side effects of not taking care of yourself? Oh, yeah. There's quite a few. When we aren't able to take care of ourselves, it goes back to that definition of self-care for me. We're not able to show up as our favorite version of ourselves. Instead, we're showing up as tired, exhausted, where we have low feelings of self-confidence and self-worth, and we're resentful. A lot of us are not showing up as the partners we want to be, the parents we want to be, the friends we want to be. We're showing up as versions of ourselves that are completely burnt out. And so self-care is really important for you to show up the way that you want to show up. I like to, I do this exercise in my workshops with folks. 
I'd like to say, describe your ideal version of yourself. What are you doing? How are you showing up? What is your mood like? Often out here, I'm fully energized. I'm excited. I'm telling jokes. You know, I'm doing things I want to do. I'm having a wonderful time. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. your self-care practice needs to be centered around that version of yourself. Because I have a feeling even, and I'd love to talk to people through the workshops, I have a feeling you are exhausted right now. You're in your third cup of coffee and it's not even noon, you know, zero shape, just putting it out there. You know, you're actually checking the clock to see when you could get back to work. You know, I know that you are just having a hard time just even being in the present. So self-care helps us show up in that present moment. So we can honestly, and this may sound a little cheesy, so we can enjoy our lives again. Yeah. And so, I mean, why do you think it's so hard for people to, you know, actually live in this like favorite version of themselves? Like if they're able to write down what they want their life to look like, like, why aren't we living it? You know, <laughs> again, there's, there's so many answers that are going through my mind. Yeah. I will say from my own experience, I just felt a lot of pressure to do and be at all. And yes. I had a lot of trouble just accepting that I was already enough. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of people can relate to that. I know confidently that I'm not alone in that experience. And so, again, kind of adding on to this definition, my favorite version of myself is very self-accepting. Like the Michelle that's showing up right here today in all of her glory is enough. I don't have to do anything else to prove my worth to anyone, especially to myself. So that, right, that constant chasing of, not enoughness, that imposter syndrome that shows up in a lot of us in different roles. Man, it just has a lot of us in a stronghold. Yes. And it's really kind of, that's what I've seen in a lot of the work that I've done with folks is that overachievement, overextension, zero boundaries is folks are really afraid of failing, afraid of not being enough. And my goodness, one of the strongest ones, they're afraid to disappoint anybody in their relationships. Yes. And so how do we overcome those feelings? I know so many people, that feeling of being enough, like that is a struggle. And especially with like being a perfectionist and a people pleaser, it's like, we got to do everything for everyone and it's got to be perfect. (laughs) So how can we remind ourselves like that it's enough and that we don't have to, you know, extend ourselves so much in order to like have acceptance. Yes. The first thing you want to do is just be aware of your habits that are contributing to your exhaustion. That may take some time, but that's my favorite place to start. What are your habits that are contributing to your exhaustion, right? What does it even look like for you to overextend yourself? And again, I have tons of prompts that ask even more specific questions than that specifically in I Own My Magic, to help Black women in particular understand their own experiences. Because a lot of us are moving so quickly, we don't have time to self-explore or (laughs) self-discover. We're busy. And so I take it chapter by chapter to help you unpack some of your experiences. And I like to say, especially for Black women, culturally, we really love storytelling. That's an important part of how we get to know each other and build relationships. So I share some of my story with the reader and the reader has an opportunity to share hers back. 
and just take it prompt by prompt. I'm going to be honest, Ariel. I asked some pretty tough questions. Yeah. That's only because I really care. And we really need to get to the root of what's causing you to keep running yourself ragged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and those tough questions, like they need to be asked and answered. And, you know, I mean, by having this book, like you're creating a space for them to do it safely and to explore their needs safely. And yes, by sharing your story, you're helping others feel like less alone and like that they're not the only one like losing their mind, trying to figure it out and go through this stuff. And I really like that you said about like exploring those habits that you know, are causing them, you know, this like burnout and exhaustion and stuff. Because I think so often we're like, you know, it's all about your habits and focus on your habits. And we forget that like our daily life already consists of habits, but they're probably like not the good ones. And we need to evaluate them and, you know, adjust them to actually suit our needs to live. I love how you say our, like your favorite person. I just think that's such a fun, unique way to look at it because I mean, really, you can be whoever you want to be, but you've got to enjoy that person. So I love that. And so as someone is entering their journey into, you know, owning their magic and this, like learning what their needs are, like what advice would you give them to get started and to keep going? Just start somewhere and start somewhere imperfectly. Like just go ahead and give yourself permission to make some mistakes to have some flaws. Again, I'm talking to my recovery perfectionists out there. (laughs) A lot of us are in recovery. Some of us don't even know we're perfectionists. We, sometimes it's hard for us to even get started because, oh my gosh, what if I don't do this perfectly? Or, oh my gosh, am I going to do this wrong? Or what if this doesn't even work once I decide to put energy into it? Get all of that out and then start somewhere imperfectly. And just start with one practice. Try to identify one need And focus on that one practice. Again, one of the most common self-care needs out there to this day is getting enough sleep. Yes. (laughs) Right? I see a lot of folks like, oh, I want to start this yoga. I need to do this. I need to eat better. Trust me. I'm sure you do need to do those things. But focus on your basic physical self-care needs first and just start with one. Mm -hmm. If you need to get some more sleep, I want you to think about what's getting in the way of you getting enough sleep and set a very manageable and attainable goal to start getting more sleep. Like, okay, I just need, I know I need to get some more sleep. So an attainable goal is I'm going to get an extra 15 minutes of sleep at least two times this week. I love to quantify it too. That really helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you, right. And then when you do achieve that, because you will, you are going to do it, treat yourself to something and then add on to that practice. Reward yourself and celebrate yourself as you continue to discover your needs and fulfill them. Let this be a compassionate journey. And if things don't work out, kind of change your goal a little bit so it fits where you are. If 15 minutes is too much, go down to 10. If trying it two times a week is too much, go down to one and build that habit at that manageable space first. That's going to build your self-confidence and you'll see that, okay, I can do this. I'm ready for the next level. Really start in a manageable space first. Yes, that is really helpful because I think a lot of times when people start a new practice, they think like, I got to do it seven times a week and I'm going to you know, wake up an hour earlier. And it's like your brain and your body is going to be like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> and you might do it for a week, but then that's it. So 
I love that you talk about like just, you know, a small manageable step, you know, a couple times a week and to celebrate. Like, I think that is just so key to help someone like get started on their journey and actually see some success. And yes, like you said, like, you know, if you focus on like your sleep, then like other things will trickle off from there. And I think everything's like a ripple effect. So that's great advice. Yeah. And so I would love to know how has being yourself impacted your success? What a cool question. (laughs) So many cool questions, but wow, I haven't thought about that before. I definitely think that being my authentic self, I noticed my, that I am way less stressed out Mm -hmm. because I'm not pretending to be anybody else. Yeah. I don't have to double or like overthink about how I'm showing up in spaces because I'm just me in all the spaces. And again, I know I'm working record here, but that's enough. Yes, it's enough. I like to call myself a creative helper. I love discovering new ways to help people or more accessible ways to help people, more practical. So I've seen that since tapping into my authentic self and really taking care of my authentic self, that's my favorite version of myself. Um, yeah, my, I've noticed I'm able to, to really develop some really important special programming and all kinds of good stuff that's coming this year for my brand that I can't wait to share with folks. And it's simply because I've been taking care of myself. And so I'm able to show up for my work and what I love to do even stronger and even better. Oh, I love that. And where can people like connect with you and so that they can like stay up to date with everything yeah. you're doing and just like keeping in your good energy? Yes. And thank you for that. I appreciate that, Ariel. So folks are welcome to go to my website, gmichelle, and it's two L's, dot com, and sign up for my email list. I am really focusing on the folks on my email list this year. I'm really creating some special content and opportunities, wink, wink, for my email list to receive first and to receive a lot of special offers that way. So that's the number one way. Other ways that folks can connect with me is through social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest at the G Michelle with two L's. You're welcome to follow me in those spaces and we can connect. Awesome. Well, I'm going to put all of that in the show notes for sure. And I can't wait to see like what else you're coming out with and stuff. And I'm just like, (laughs) I've loved our conversation. Is there like a final message that you want to leave with people today? Yeah, I'm going to restate my affirmation and I hope that somebody connects with it. You are too important to not take care of yourself. Try your absolute best to take care of yourself as often as you can. Awesome. I love it so much. Thank you so much for providing, you know, just so much knowledge and all of your resources so that people can take care of themselves because it is so important. So thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. I hope that this episode made you realize how important taking care of yourself is. And I love Michelle's mantra, so I'm going to say it again. You are too important to not take care of yourself. Be sure to go to gmichelle.com and get on Michelle's email list for encouraging reminders and self-care tips to help you make yourself a priority. And if you need a safe space to share your struggles and celebrate every time you take care of yourself first, click on the link in the show notes and join the It's Time to Be You Facebook community. I can't wait to see you there and support you on your self-care journey. It's time to make self-care a priority. It's time to own your magic. It's time to be you.